Welcome to the Fall to Grace podcast, a show dedicated to those who have stumbled, struggled, failed, and fallen, perhaps more than once. Our message offers encouragement, hope, and connection to turn your personal shame and suffering from a fall to grace. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Uh, good morning, everyone. And as I, you know, as I say, everyone, I've said this before. <laughs> I don't know if there's only one person or only a few. Uh, I do know that uh, there have been some people that have subscribed to the podcast channel, and I'm grateful for that support. I know that the, some family and friends and associates have been listening in on the podcast. I'm very grateful for that. So, good morning, and welcome to the Fall to Grace podcast. Look, I am a rookie first-time podcaster, and I honestly am learning this as I go. There is a steep learning curve for this slow learner um, and, um, and for this dinosaur of a you know, technological wizard. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff ab- about uh, the software, the access to the podcast directories and all that that I'm, I'm just a very, very uh, you know, novice person at this. So hang with me and bear with me as I try to improve uh, the delivering of my message, and I'm grateful for that patience. I do need to remind myself to mention to everyone, not only to welcome you here, but also to say, I am hoping that this message will get to um, a lot of people, because I know there are a lot of people that can and could benefit from this podcast. And the messages and the ideas and the lessons learned and the principles that are shared here that I think are of value. If I didn't think it was valuable, and if I didn't think there was a purpose to all of this, then I wouldn't be doing it. I feel compelled to do this, even against my own personal wishes, because I believe that someone along the way may and could and will benefit from the lessons that I've learned. And so that's why I'm doing this. And as a podcaster, I need to remind myself and make little notes to myself that I need to say things like, be sure to like and share and subscribe to this podcast. That way you'll get notifications when new episodes come up and you'll be able to share these episodes with others that you feel may benefit from hearing this message. I do know And I will say this as a general um, message. Look, for anyone that's in this situation or the the circumstance of needing to really start over and be comfortable with a new normal and to struggle through difficulty, whether it be addiction or otherwise, um, there's going to be detractors. There are going to be people that are not going to be supportive of your every effort. Uh, There will be negativity. And as I said in the previous episode, the the negativity or the detractors or the difficulty and the the discomfort will come from a variety of, of sources. It may come from within your own family, your own circle of friends, whether they be new friends or they be friends from long ago. But um, press on. Um, As my brother Ron and I have said many, many times with each other and to each other, and especially him to me, onward and upward, the best is yet to come. And so I 
I share that message with you, onward and upward. But sometimes that's, it's easier said than done. I, I know because I've been under the pile of rubble and I've needed to find a little bit of light in that darkness. So, um, so I'm hoping this message will get to, if not to, the, not to you who's listening, but if you know someone or uh, have someone in your own circle of influence that could benefit from this message, please share it. And if you'll subscribe, then uh, you'll get notifications about that. So please like, share, and subscribe. Okay, now I've done that, that bit. As I mentioned just a moment ago, um, I was under a pile of rubble. And that imagery uh, reminds me of, you know, September 11th, 2001. On September 11th, 2001, we all know what happened. Uh, the Twin Towers in New York City were destroyed and came tumbling down. Now, I'd been in the Twin Towers. I've been at the top years and years ago. I had been at the top in the, of, that, of those two buildings, and I had felt the sway from the movement of the, of the wind or the Earth's movement or whatever it is that causes that. But I'd been in those incredible structures and had seen firsthand the incredible engineering that went into building those structures. But it didn't matter how incredible the engineering was. It didn't matter how long they'd been standing. It didn't matter the work that went in to creating that magnificent um, engineering and, and structural magnificence. Tumbled down, it did, uh, because of actions taken by others. So as they were demolished, as they came tumbling down, <laughs> Scatter people scattered. They they scattered out of fear and danger and shock. Well, in a similar vein, those that are in your life, and even if they want to stay in your life, the tumble and the fall and the rubble and the sound and the dirt and the dust and the you know, unbelievable destruction that occurs is so shocking. It's no surprise that people run for their lives. And in your experience, and as in my experience, you will find that people will run. And it's, and it's okay, because the damage is unbelievable. No one thought that something like that would occur. Nobody thought outside of my own self, no one believed the story that ended up occurring in my life. I had friends who told me afterwards that when they heard about what had occurred and what I had done and the consequences that I was facing, when they first heard it, they said, that's not possible. Kevin wouldn't do that thing. But in fact, it was possible, just like the Twin Towers tumbling down. And that's what makes it so shocking. So don't be surprised if people run, because it's scary. Um, I, I wanted to run. <laughs> I mean, it was scary for me. But I had to stand and let the rubble fall. But that's not the most dramatic part of that story, in my opinion. The most dramatic part 
and the most poignant part of that story wasn't the destruction of the towers and wasn't the fear and danger and rubble that occurred to make people scatter. The most poignant part of that story was, to me, those that ran towards the rubble. Um, we honor those first responders. Today, I want to talk about my first responders. Now, I've been warned to not get emotional in my podcast, but I warned you in a previous episode, I'm an emotional person. And as I talk about my first responders, I'm sure that there will be emotion. I will try my best to hold it in check, but it is not easy for me to do. But I honor and am grateful for that anyone ran towards me, but the fact that many did to me is a miracle. And as I said in episode one, indeed, this podcast, a general and reoccurring theme in this podcast as I go forward in the weeks and months to come is the miracles that can and have and will occur not only in my life, but in your life or in the life of someone that you care about or in the life of someone that cares about you. Miracles do occur. And the miracle of the first responders to me is an amazing story. They ran forward. They ran towards the danger in spite of the fact that they may get hurt. They may die. They, their, their concern was not about themselves. And that's the point. Their concern was not for themselves. Their concern was for others. That comes from a place of intense, deep, and abiding love. Now, where everyone finds that kind of love, I don't know. It may be because of shared experience. It may come from just the quality of the character of the person. It may come from a sense of righteousness and the wanting to recognize the dignity and humanity of another person. So they ran towards the danger. They ran towards the difficulty. They ran towards death and suffering. They did not hesitate to respond to those that could not help themselves and who needed most their help, who needed help the most. As I said, this episode today is about um, and dedicated to my first responders. If I erroneously omit anyone significant, that's significant in, the, in this part of the story, um, if I go back and listen to this episode later, and if I remember someone that I'm omitting, I will certainly want to correct that. But <clears throat> first responders for me came from my, immediately, my immediate family. Um, my now ex-wife, um, my children, my brothers and sister, um, family, extended family, and friends. And friends that I had associations with from my work, my church, um, those that I had gone to school with, 
way back in the day, uh, people that I had met when I was very, very young, m not many, because I will say this, that um, I lost many, many associations and, and lost many, many friends and family members uh, who no longer want to associate with me. And all of that is understandable. But my first responders came from those circles. And I want to uh, mention uh, some specific stories about that. And, and this is not in any particular order because I, in my own mind right now, all the stories are running together. So I will try to refer to some bullet points here <laughs> on my screen to help me remember. But I remember that one of the very first person, people or persons that came to my, my aid or to my rescue and just wanting to see if there was anything they could do to help was a dear friend of mine by the name of Mark Smith. And he happened to be um, a bishop in the, in, the, in the Mormon church and, um, and is currently a stake president. So those of you that know anything about uh, the LDS church's organization, you'll understand what I'm saying. But he was a very close friend, and he also happened to be an ecclesiastical leader. He came to visit me in, uh, in jail, and he was one of the first to, to show up. And what's amazing about that was what he said to me was he came immediately and we had a very emotional um, uh, exchange and reunion. Of course, I'm out of my mind not knowing what's going to happen with me. But uh, here I was incarcerated and he came and he talked to me and he said, I, I asked him why he came so quickly because he was there very, very shortly after I arrived. And he said he was worried for me that I would think that maybe I had lost him as a friend. Now think about what that says about him. He was more concerned about me and what thoughts I might have about the quality of our relationship and of our friendship. He loved me that much that he wanted to make sure that there wasn't even a moment of doubt in my mind or in my heart of his care and his love for me. That's an amazing quality. The reason I share, I'm sharing these particular stories is because I'm hoping that anyone that's watching or listening to this podcast will feel likewise towards someone else. I don't need any first responders to rush to my aid at this point. This was, this was seven years in my past, and I've had responders arrive and give me aid and assist me and help me. I'm not asking in this podcast for your help towards me. What I'm asking is that you rush to the aid of someone in your family, in your circle of friends, especially those who need it most and deserve it the least. That's, a, that's an important part of my message. I think we distance ourselves sometimes because of the danger or the fear or the doubt or the uncertainty from those that we could lend aid to because we're not sure how or what to say. I certainly have done that where I hesitated because of my own fear or doubt. And as I've shared before, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win by fearing to attempt. That's William Shakespeare. So after Mark, there was another couple from my, from my church that came to visit me almost immediately. 
and um, uh, Mark and Nancy Murphy came, and Nancy was so sweet. She brought me a bag of cookies, not knowing that she was never going to be able to give me that bag of cookies. <laughs> but I'll never forget the sweet kindness that she offered by wanting to bring me cookies. Now, knowing me, she knew I love cookies. Um, but it was just so sweet and tender that she would make up a batch of cookies and then rush to the jail to give those cookies to me. It doesn't take some grand gesture or some huge sacrifice or monumental task to be completed to show your caring and love for someone. Just love and tenderness and kindness. Another first responder that for me was very poignant, and again, like I said, these are not in any particular order or of priority or timing, but my father came to visit me while I was in jail. If you want to be humbled, be incarcerated and look through the glass at your own father and feel that. I felt so ashamed and so like I'd let him down so much. I disappointed generations of my family. And I told him how sorry I was. And he said to me, Kevin, chin up. You're not the only one that's ever made a mistake. Be safe. I love you. I care about you. Chin up, kid. Now, this is the same person who was always the tough guy. He was maybe when you were at your best, he was at his worst. He was always there ready to, you know, give you a, a, a gut check. But when you were at your worst, he was at his best. My father was hard as nails and soft as smoke. And when I, when, whenever anyone was in their worst moment, he was always at his best with an encouraging word and an offering of love and, and understanding and forgiveness. It was immediate and automatic. But my father never came without my brother, Jeff. My brother, Jeff, our youngest brother, who has now passed. Now, this is 2023, and I'm talking about... 2016. He has since passed, both my father and my brother, Jeff. But my brother, Jeff, wanted to come and visit with me. And my youngest brother is, is Down syndrome, has had Down syndrome. And he would tell my sister, who was responsible for bringing both my brother and my father, my sister Kelly, that he wanted to come visit Kevin or he wanted to go visit Kevin in the facility, he would call it. <laughs> He said to my sister that he wanted to come and visit with me also in the facility. What a precious and angelic soul our brother Jeff is. But they came running. My father was old and not well. It took tremendous effort on his part to even make it from Arizona, where he lived, to California, where I was incarcerated. But came run, come running, he did, along with my 
brother Jeff in tow, and my sweet sister Kelly, who is an angel, and came to my rescue in ways that I could never express, but come running she did. Now to her credit, my ex-wife came a few times to try to offer uh, support and to, to say, you know, hang in there. My children came, my brothers came, friends came from church and past and school. My brother Ron came with his sweet wife, Julie, to visit me. I had a dear friend, have a dear friend, who would come in the capacity of uh, an ecclesiastical leader or ecclesiastical, had ecclesiastical freedom to come and visit with me. On, in most instances, when a visitor would come, I would have to be on a phone through the looking glass, so to speak. But because of his ecclesiastical status, he could come and visit with me for um, an unlimited amount of time. His name is Ken Kirtley. And Ken would come and we would visit for extended periods of time. Instead of just a f few minutes, we could spend 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Oftentimes it went even longer than that. But Ken was and is a dear friend who came to my rescue. And when I needed someone just to talk to, and unload to and share with. We talked about everything under the sun from philosophy to religion to um, literature or whatever was on our mind, sports. <laughs> it was a normal moment. It was a normal, it was a moment of normalcy in, in, a, in a time of chaos and, and definitely not normal. One of the sweetest moments I had and this was the last one I will share today, um, was I was in, I had been incarcerated for some time and I was getting very, very depressed. And I was feeling especially like I didn't want to go on. I, I didn't want to continue. I, I, I had planned out and made a conscious decision that if, I, if, I, if the opportunity arose, that I would take it to end my life. And I was on my knees pleading f with God for mercy and to please help me. That's really all, all the words I could utter. You know, when you get in those moments, you really can't reason. <laughs> it's just a plea for help. And it had been some time since I'd seen anybody or had a visitor. And I was on my knees begging God for help. And while I was on my knees, there was an announcement made, you know, Kirkland, you have a visitor. And I jumped up and I ran to the, to the visiting area and I didn't know who it was going to be. And I turned the corner and there was my friend, Joe Estrada. And Joe came regularly. But I asked him in that moment, I said, Joe, why are you here? How did you get here? What, what, what made you come? He said, I don't know, Kevin. He says, I was driving down the road. I was on the freeway, and I just had the strongest impression that I needed to come, and so I did. If there's a message to this 
podcast. It's really that. If you have an impression to reach out, if you have an inkling or a thought or just a flash of momentary enlightenment (laughs) or whatever you want to call that, if you have an impression to, to reach out, um, that comes from a place of light and love. And that is what's needed most at a place of darkness and trouble and fear and doubt and danger. Like the first responders on 9-11, reach out. It could be a note. It could be a phone call. It doesn't have to be a, a visit to jail. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone you might know that lives around the corner or in the apartment next to yours or down the street or in your community or in your church or from way in the past. If you've heard of someone that was in trouble or has gotten themselves into trouble, I, I beg you and I encourage you to do that for that person. Reach, reach within yourself and overcome your doubt or your fear or whatever it might be with love because the only answer is love. The only thing that changes everything is love. I know that seems simple and cliche, but it's really the truth. My first responders came running because of the fact that they loved me in spite of myself. I didn't deserve their 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 effort. I didn't, I didn't deserve it, but it has nothing, deserve has nothing to do with it. I needed it. They knew I needed it. I was desperate for it. And they found within themselves deep wells of love and kindness. And they showed me dignity and respect and hope that things may not be bright today, but they can be brighter. And I promise you that things will be brighter. It may take some time and it may take spending some time in darkness, but the light of the love of others who will come to your aid will make all the difference for you to be able to see your path more clearly. So please run towards those that need your help. I'm grateful for the time we've been able to spend today. This has been a little bit longer uh, episode. If you're finding value in this in this uh, podcast, please like, please share, please subscribe, but most especially reach out to those that need your your help with with love and tenderness and kindness, and it'll change their lives and it will certainly change your life as well. Thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you next time.